nation, there are many things that have changed, and we could spend the next several hours talking about them. But one is the respect and appreciation for the Ten Commandments and uh, the increasing secularism of our day. But there's also been quite a change in the evangelical, Bible-believing, born-again realm, those churches that truly stand upon the Word of God. There's been quite a bit of change in how the churches function, uh, how they worship, and on a number of ways that uh, they see uh, the uh, life and even the Ten Commandments. And we're going to look today at a commandment that, frankly, in today's world, a lot of Christians don't know what to do with it. And yet it is one of the Ten Commandments. Now remember, the table of the table, there were two tables of the law that Moses came down with. And the Lord Jesus summed up the Ten Commandments into two tables, one being, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy uh, heart and soul and mind, and then to love thy neighbor as thy, thyself would be the second table of the law. And often it's seen that the first four commandments are clearly the first table of the law, with the fifth commandment about parents and children uh, being very key in honoring God. And then the final five commandments, love thy neighbor as thyself, uh, again also having the bridge commandment that we'll be looking at of uh, honoring parents by children. And so the fourth commandment is squarely in that first table of the law. So if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, we saw in chapter 19 how wonderfully God uh, caused the nation of Israel to come close to the manifestation of His glory there at Mount Sinai. He put a barrier there. It was very clear, but His purpose was for them to get a real sense of the awe and all that they should have and an understanding of the majesty of his person. And he was going to give them a very special uh, revelation. He makes a covenant with them. They stand to that covenant. He reminds them that he bore them on eagle's wings, that they were his peculiar treasure and that they would be his people. And it's a wonderful chapter uh, when you look at chapter 19. And it's very awe-inspiring as you look at the thunder and the lightning and the trumpet sound that just continued to get louder and louder and the earthquake all just representing the power and majesty of our God. So that sets up the giving of the Ten Commandments and we've already looked at the first three that directly deal with our worship of the Lord. The first is uh, very clear. Uh, that uh, verse 3, thou shalt have no other gods before me. There is only one God and nothing else should we look to to meet our needs. We should serve nothing else in this life. It is God who should be our God. And then we're not to make any graven images, verse 4. And here we have this uh, concept of bringing God down to our level. That's what idolatry in the pagan religions was all about uh, so that people could worship God and Satan inspired them to be able to then live as they would like to live. And here you have, do not worship Jehovah God with a graven image. 
And the whole idea was to bring God into the concept of human thinking and to uh, live even in a worship of Jehovah your own way. And did, did this not, uh, unfortunately, the second commandment is what you saw just a little bit later with the golden calf. We'll be looking at that. And then uh, with the uh, golden calves of Jeroboam of the northern kingdom, and you see this propensity to try to worship Jehovah God uh, in the way that man wants to worship him. And friends, we are having that today. In the name of Christianity, there's all kind of worship that is idolatry and is not genuine Christianity. And then last week, we looked at taking, not to take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, how crucial that is, how important that we do not take his name lightly. God will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. But now let's go to the acknowledgement of the one true God with this matter of the Sabbath. And so let's look at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And so here we have an acknowledgement and worship of God as the one who has given life and who is in control of all things and all time. And so this matter of observing and understanding the Sabbath, when you get down to the principle of it, is a total surrender to God's uh, pattern from a creative standpoint and his order for our life. In other words, this is an acknowledgement that he is God. Yes, we talked about worshiping. We've talked about what we say. Here we're getting down to how we live. And then we'll be getting into the prohibitions uh, starting uh, in the next uh, uh, commandments that deal with the actual relationship issues in our life. Uh, but this is really an understanding that we are God's creation and there is a certain way that God wants us to function. And I'm afraid this has been lost in our day. Well, let's look at the need for the commandment. One of the things that God tells us to do as human beings, and this was before the fall ever came into existence, was for us to work. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God created the human race obviously for fellowship with him but to serve uh, in a wonderful way to keep the garden that God had made. And had, he gave mankind dominion over the earth. Well, of course, you have Satan coming, and Satan becomes the god of this world, but as 
Adam and Eve sinned and fell at that point. And part of the curse is that the work that man was going to do was now going to be extremely difficult by the sweat of the brow and uh, working. uh, And uh, there would be thorns and all kinds of pain and problems. Women would have problems. And so, uh, but still, mankind is to work. And so, the matter of the Sabbath is an important principle in this matter of realizing that God called us to work, but God had, has done it in a way in which he also wants that fellowship with us, and he wants to have time with us, and also knows our frailty and understands the need for every seven days for there to be a rest from work. We are to work hard and we are to rest. Now the word Sabbath um, is, uh, uh, comes from the word that simply means to stop, uh, stoppage, cessation, has the idea of resting, regular work ceases, it doesn't mean seventh. It means rest, it means not working. It is the idea of laborers taking a break from their daily routine. And so God has laid it out that there is to be every seven days a time in which the work that God has ordered us to be a part of ceases and there is a rest uh, physically, emotionally, and spiritually for us to be a part of. And so there wouldn't need to be the Sabbath if there wasn't the command to work. And let me just say, God doesn't want us to have seven days of Sabbath. (laughs) Okay. Um, Some people think that's the way it should be. Uh, Well, let me just make this little side note. Many, many emotional problems come in the lives of those that do not work when they could work. And... uh, Thank you. Uh, and, uh, but there is uh, just a genuine issue that our whole emotional uh, well-being and balance comes from work. Whatever it is, responsibility, everything that we do. Now, some folks cannot work, and that's understandable, but uh, it is important for us to realize that. So uh, the assumption is that we will work, and so therefore there needs to be the, a Sabbath. Now. Another part of this uh, is the fact that God took the Sabbath and established it as part of the covenant with Israel. And uh, this was part of what separated Israel from the other pagan nations that were all about themselves, all about worshiping uh, idols and gods in their own way. The Sabbath would be the sign, the clear-cut covenant uh, exercise that would distinguish the nation of Israel from other nations. Now, no specific instructions had been given on the observance of uh, the Sabbath until the law, but it's very clear here that uh, the Sabbath was already known. And uh, in fact, prior to this time, manna was coming every day from heaven and it was very clearly already taught you are not to on the Sabbath 
uh, collect manna. There would be no manna that morning, so on the day before the Sabbath, you would collect twice as much. That's before the Sabbath was uh, laid out as part of the clear um, adherence to the covenant that Israel specifically had. If you were reading, if you're up on your reading in Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, as they were teaching the people, uh, it tells of the fact about this covenant. Verse 13, Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath and commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. So clearly, at the time that the law was given there at Sinai, the Sabbath was part then of the ceremonial law and the distinctive aspect of being the nation's covenant with the Lord. Exodus 31:12, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that ye may know that I am the Lord which that doth sanctify you. So this was a very clear part of the relationship that Israel had with Jehovah God. Um, all of, uh, Exodus uh, uh, thir- 31.16, just a few verses later, Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and then on the seventh day uh, he rested. And so we have uh, very clearly that this was established as part of the covenant with Israel. Now, the ceremonial part of the law, when was that fulfilled? All aspects of the ceremonial part of the law to Israel. At the cross, uh, all of the sacrificial system, every aspect of uh, uh, just the, the key aspects of the whole um, ceremonies that they went through was to give different uh, teaching regarding the coming Messiah and what that meant for their redemption. And in Colossians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let man, no man therefore judge you in meat, or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. So here's where things get a little confusing is the fact that uh, there on the one side is a principle very clearly that God created us in six days and the seventh day is a day of rest that is part of our whole relationship with God individually And then you have the ceremonial aspect of the covenant that God made with Israel and the teaching that he did through the ceremonial law, uh, which included the Sabbath and the uh, clear uh, rules of, of observing the Sabbath as Israel did. But that now has been 
that has been put away because Christ has come. And we, as the church of the living God, are not part of the Israeli covenant. Uh, we are the church age. Israel will come back in. And uh, that will be a different day during the Messianic kingdom. And so you have this difference between the ceremonial law and the creative law of God. So how does this principle come to us as New Testament Christians? I, I need to say a couple other things. The Lord Jesus really helps us with this matter of observing the Sabbath uh, when he was constantly attacked uh, for doing good on the Sabbath, healing and those types of things. He said unto them in Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, there is this whole aspect of the Sabbath that was for our relationship with the Lord, the need that we had to have this day, and that um, the, the, the way it was being, it was, it was a duty that was uh, restricting people instead of understanding the full heart of the Lord on it. By the way, the Jerusalem Council, which was the council given to, to uh, help the uh, Gentile churches know what key aspects they needed to follow because the Judaizers were trying to put them back under uh, the Jewish-Israeli law, uh, the Jerusalem Council, in giving its instructions, did not mention the Sabbath. Very interesting. And of course, I've already uh, read to you from Colossians. All nine commandments are repeated in the New Testament. I mean laid out. But the ceremonial observance of the Sabbath is not commanded. So that's, that's a very key matter. Now, then, does that mean we just sort of do away with it? No, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's part of our relationship with God. It's how we're made. So we need to take a look at it. Uh, we will in just a moment here. But let me just give the principle to New Testament Christians. The seventh day needs to be observed. But clearly, I believe to show that the church is not Israel. And by the way, that's the greatest theological error you can make outside of the wrong teaching on salvation. The church is not spiritual Israel. We are distinct from Israel. Israel is literal. It will come back as a nation. All the promises to Israel will be fulfilled. We believe that uh, the church is uh, set up by the Lord to reach the world during this age, the church age. And so the church functions on the seventh, its seventh day, on the first day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. By the way, you think we preach long. But anyway, um, but on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. This is a matter of giving, as God had prospered him. And then Revelation 1.10, uh, John was on the Isle of Patmos, and he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. 
This was resurrection day, Sunday, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. So very clearly, the New Testament church, and you've got to realize what a dramatic thing that was for them to do. These Jewish converts met on the first day of the week, not the Sabbath day. And uh, they met on the first day of the week. And this continued very clearly right through early church history. The disciple of John, you had Polycarp and Ignatius, um, made it very clear in his writings that the, the uh, Jewish ce uh, celebration and observance of the Sabbath was not for the church. In the early second century, Justin Martyr uh, also uh, made that very clear and so forth. So the early church fathers, though they are not authoritative, they certainly help us see, understand their um, reading of the New Testament that clearly the seventh day principle uh, for a time of spiritual rest and spiritual fellowship and following what the Lord has commanded us to do as a church occurs on the first day of the week. So let's just camp on this a little bit. All right, I've gone through this quickly. Let me read again what we have here in the fourth commandment. But the seventh day, I need to go back, verse 8, remember the Sabbath. Now, does the word Sabbath mean Saturday? And by the way, the Sabbath for is, the Israelites was not Saturday. It was Friday and Saturday. Friday from sundown till Saturday sundown. When we have Bible Lance trips, we have to be very careful how we plan things over that day uh, because things shut down and to be able to do all that you want to do, you have to be very aware of what happens Friday night and Saturday. And I'm telling you, when the sun goes down on Saturday night, uh, all reverence goes to the wind and Israel comes alive. It's always an interesting thing. It's not all so good. But anyway, so it is not even Saturday in that sense. Um, and so the word Sabbath means rest, cessation from labor. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within the gates. Now here's the important principle. It's a little different in the Deuteronomy uh, aspect, and I'll, read, I'll uh, look at that in a minute. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So this comes from the way God created mankind. Now, obviously, God did not need to rest. But he did his creation in six days as a pattern for us to understand the limitations of our creation and the fact there had to be a cessation of work, of attempting to get gain, to try to accomplish what we don't want to accomplish, we, that, had to, that um, had to cease and there needed to be a time of, uh, of uh, letting this be a distinctly different day to be able to worship the Lord. If you'll turn over with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5, here we have Moses 
preaching several messages in a row to prepare the people to go under Joshua's leadership into the land. And the uh, commandments are restated in a different way as he's explaining them here. And we read in verse 12 of chapter 5, Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Let me stop there. The idea of sanctify is to set apart, set apart from the other days. However, it does have the idea of set it apart for God's usage, set it apart to be hallowed, and it is appropriate to say set apart to be holy. Um, but the idea is set apart. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. Isn't that interesting? Slaves and servants were not to work either. And remember, now this is a little different. Uh, you have the creative principle given in uh, Exodus chapter 20. Here we have the deliverance principle. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Now I've delivered you from the power of Egypt and the world there, and I'm sure they labored nonstop. And I am commanding you because of my deliverance for you to give me a day. And it has the idea here that that day should be a time of reflection upon deliverance. Do you think we could say, uh, because the New Testament does talk about the deliverance from Egypt as a picture of salvation and then deliverance, could we not say that the Sabbath principle ought to be that which allows us to meditate on what God has delivered us from and how we are made, how we are finite, how we need to follow God's principles, how that we are his servants and that he is the Lord. We can go back to Exodus chapter 20. And so here we have the ceremonial aspect of how there were going to be some very definite um, aspects of not working that were going to be clearly done to make Israel distinct from the rest of the countries. The covenant between Israel and Jehovah God. There is also, as verse 11 says, there is the creative principle. The creative standard of, of God. Now it's very interesting, you look back even in our American history, George Washington in the Revolutionary War Lincoln in the Civil War and Wilson in the First World War all gave orders relieving troops as far as possible from fatigue duty on Sunday and giving them an opportunity to attend public worship. And uh, you could go on, I could give you another, many other presidents that were very strong about normal type functions and work uh, both in the government and with military and even in society. It was not to be done on Sunday. Uh, W.E. Gladstone, the great Victorian statesman, was asked to speak into a phonograph that the record might be made for use 50 years later. And here's the words that he chose to give at that time. 
I owe my life and vigor through a long and busy life to the Sabbath day with its blessed ceasing of toil. Isn't that interesting? And so there are several things I, I, I want us to look at here. He, God is the creator. He made us a certain way. We need him. We are not to live life possessed by constant endeavor to further ourselves and do what we want. We need to, on a regular seven-day basis, stop. And for the believer, it's the first day of the week on Sunday. And we are to stop and realize that he is God. This is the way he has made us. We must not live our lives independent of his creation or his plan for us. And that we need to realize that we have to have that day to spiritually rest, grow, be encouraged, and be not involved in self-serving labor to accomplish what we want to accomplish. We are not to do our own pleasure. We are to concentrate on him to trust him more. During the French Revolution, the Christian Sabbath was abolished in France. It was said that's the only way you're going to break the back of, of Christian influence in France. And that was such an ungodly, atheistic overturning of the government. They said, we cannot destroy Christianity until we first destroy the Christian Sabbath, said Voltaire, speaking of Sunday. Voltaire was the great uh, humanistic leader of that time. The experiment worked disaster for man and beast. Horses going for 10 days without rest broke down in the streets under the strain, and the whole society broke apart. <laughs> it's one of the great illustrations of how God created us. London costermongers told Lord Shaftesbury, these were men that would sell things using donkeys to carry their burdens, that their donkeys, which rested one day in seven, could travel 30 miles a day with their loads, while those donkeys that worked seven days a week could only travel 15 miles a day. So you lose 75 miles of travel each week by working your donkey every day and have an, as, a, as a product a six seedy looking donkey in the bargain. And you gain 3,900 miles of travel in a year and have a nice sleek looking donkey by running him according to the Ten Commandments. And there's all other kinds of statistics that prove you cannot just keep going. God did not make us that way. This is part of the creative principle. God want, wanted from the very beginning. Listen, the Israelites already knew the Sabbath principle. This was built into the conscience from creation. God created us. He's God. He's eternal. We're mortal. We're finite. He's the Lord. He says, do not pursue your own gain and work for six, uh, seven days in a row. You must rest on the seventh day. You must come into uh, a spiritual and physical and emotional refreshment during that time. And so uh, this is uh, very, very important. Now, in the New Testament, we have very clearly in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, 
as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. It is very important that we spend that time for uh, focus upon God and not on the things of this world. Now you stop and say, whoa, all right, Pastor, tell us what does that all mean? Oh, you got to come back next week for that. No. <laughs> Uh, it's one of those thorny issues. Those of you that are older can remember uh, the blue laws for Sunday, remember? And I'm not saying we should go back to that. But I'm telling you, it was really nice when nothing was open on Sunday. I got to tell you, it was nice when Sunday was a different day and families were together. And there wasn't the pursuit of just the typical uh, things of life. And I think we as believers need to make uh, the first day of the week something very special for the Lord. Obviously, meeting together and being refreshed by the gifts of God's people to one another and uh, having the word of God and being able to meet the needs of others. There should be time devoted to God on Sundays and on that Sabbath principle, prayer and reading and and uh, just serving the Lord as, as God's people. We should try to remove ourselves from as much secular activity as possible. Um, and that's something you're going to have to, in your own mind and heart, and uh, look at. But we, we have to be very careful about making it just like any other day. Um, and... And there's lots of different things that could, could be mentioned here. In our home growing up, uh, and uh, did, in, in our home too, we just, there were certain things we just didn't do. This was to be a special day. And I would encourage you to think about, uh, about some of the things that, uh, um, that could allow you to have more of an opportunity to really be refreshed in your heart and life. Um, we, uh, I honestly don't think uh, a day filled with television is really a wise idea. And um, that isn't going to be a time of spiritual refreshment. And I know I'm treading on really thin ice when I talk about some of the things that happen on Sunday afternoons a lot, but you can wrestle with that. Uh, my uh, father again, uh, he wouldn't have thought of it. This is the Lord's day. He was opposed to professional sports being played on Sunday. And um, I had a wonderful opportunity of being part of seeing one of the stars of the Chicago Blackhawks get saved in our church. He and I became good friends. I helped disciple him. And he had a, an enormous career ahead of him. And uh, he was really growing in the Lord. He got married in our church. Uh, it was quite the deal. Um, he was married in our church, and do any of you remember names like Esposito, Stan Makita, uh, some of those names, maybe you don't know NHL from back then, but anyway, all the big names were there, and I had to keep telling him to take the liquor out of the church. I mean, it was a mess. I had to do all the dirty work for that. But anyway, uh, he quit the next year. Why are you quitting? I can't be a Christian. I'm not going to play ball. I'm not going to um, not play ball, but I'm not going to play hockey on Sunday. Well, I couldn't argue with him. 
And uh, that took a lot of courage. Nobody could figure out why Tommy Lysiak quit the Blackhawks and retired as a young man. And these are hard decisions, folks. But we have lost a reverence for God. And these are things that we have to really try to decide ourselves. You don't want to get legalistic about it. You just want to remember the Sabbath is made for man. It is made for you not to earn spiritual credit, but for you uh, to spiritually be encouraged, uh, to be able to serve one another. That's why church is so important to have investment in family time uh, and to not be pursuing, uh, even working over so much at home. There are things you have to do working at home to get things prepared, but not making it just another day. And, uh, you know, today Christians can shop, they go do things. There's all kind of things that's easy to do on a Sunday that we don't need to do on a Sunday. And you don't hear much about this kind of thing today. But I just promise you, you let Sunday be the true rest that it ought to be, you, you will feel much stronger. And um, let me say this too, what do you say what, 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 if I have to work? Well, the Lord was very reasonable. If you got to pull something out of the ditch, you got to pull it out. If you're a medical worker and so forth, there are times when you have to work on a Sunday. But let me tell you, number one, you ought to try not to every way possible. Secondly, uh, if you have to, take another day. Make sure that you follow the Sabbath principle. Do not be working two jobs seven days a week. It is a total, it is a, a formula for disaster for your life. I promise you that. Just like not working will be disastrous, working and not following God's principles will also be disastrous. And your children ought to know there is something special about the Lord's day. This is a special time. This is a time we guard for the Lord. Today it's very difficult to get people to come to church more than one time a, time a week. And God says we should be gathering uh, even that much more as the day is appearing. But Sunday ought to be given to that wonderful opportunity to be spiritually encouraged and to be able uh, to be a blessing and to be focusing on Him. So it should be a different day removed as much as possible from secular activity. It is not the Jewish Sabbath, um, but it, it ought to be one that we guard to put the Lord first and to surrender to Him. Really, what it does is it shows when we will not let ourselves get caught up in working around the clock, when we are not going to just do like the world does and just ignore Sunday, but we make that a very definite part of our family life and our worship with God, it surely, really does show that we are surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So it's a very, um, this subject is one that is just not talked about today. But it is part of the Ten Commandments. And it is the creative principle. What I mean by that is the principle of creation is why we follow this principle. And the, and the Christians have, right from the New Testament day, worshipped on the first day of the week, given that day uh, to the Lord. 
and I think we need to guard it. Why do you think America's struggling like it is? I'll guarantee you, with believers ignoring uh, the Lord's Day as they are today, it doesn't surprise me the economic problems that we're facing. God is not mocked, and God will bless you. You say, I won't make ends meet if I don't at least do a part-time job on Sunday and work uh, full-time six other days. I'd much rather trust the bank of heaven than your own bank account. By the way, bank accounts don't mean much today. You better trust God and uh, believe God and make some of the hard decisions to put the Lord first. Don't be endeavoring to gain and to uh, be focused on your own advancement seven days a week. It will not work. All right. So I believe it's very important for us to get a hold of this. And, um, and let's just look again at the last part of verse 11. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And before the ceremonial Sabbath was ever instituted at Mount Sinai, God rested on the seventh day. If he rested, then we better wake up. That's the way it works. By the way, I wonder why we fight against a special day. You know, it's amazing. It's the world's pressure on us. But folks, we're not part of the world. And this is one of the ways that we can just show that we honor God and want to show our families and the world that we as God's people respect uh, this matter of, of ceasing from labor for ourselves on the seventh day.